Let's read. If you would, feel free to follow along. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. So here we have this story, Jesus cleansing the leper. Last week we, uh, we looked at uh, what Mark tells us is a, it's an overview of Jesus' ministry from verses 21 to 34 in chapter 1. It's, it covered the, whole, the course of one Sabbath day. And what we see in that uh, passage we looked at last week was an overview of Jesus' ministry. And Mark tells us that at the end of that one day in Capernaum, in verse 39, Jesus, he goes throughout all of Galilee doing the exact same thing. Cleansing people, casting out demons, healing people, preaching the good news, Everywhere he went, this is what he did. And when, when we come to the, the passage here about Jesus and the leper, it comes during this tour of Galilee. Because right after this, in chapter 2, verse 1, it tells us that he returned to Capernaum after some days. And we're supposed to get the sense here that while Jesus has been gone for a while, Going from town to town, casting out demons, healing people, preaching the good news of the kingdom. We don't know how long, Mark doesn't tell us, but it's for some time and he's doing a lot. And it's striking that the one event, the one encounter that Mark includes from all of that touring, all of the going around in in Galilee is this one before he comes back home to Capernaum. And it's this story of Jesus and the leper. And I think we're intended to ask the question, well, why this one? Why of all the possible encounters that Jesus had throughout all of Galilee, why does he pick this one? And I think the answer is fairly straightforward. There must be something about this one that's absolutely central. In fact, it's it's so central, it could even be seen as typifying all of Jesus' ministry. And see, Mark, as a gospel writer, isn't going to include everything. They're selective in what they include, but what they do include is with a purpose and with a point. And I think this one particularly demonstrates the good news of the kingdom. And in fact, not just this one, but the, but the passage after this, Jesus and the paralytic, similarly does. And even after that one, When Jesus comes to Levi, who he calls as one of his disciples, we see in these three episodes at the very beginning of of the gospel, after this overview of his ministry, the core, central, most important truths about the kingdom of God. 
that we need to be cleansed by Jesus, that we need to be forgiven by Jesus, and it all comes to us by grace. So that's what we're going to spend the next this week and the next two weeks looking at together. But here we have this story of Jesus and the leper, and in the ancient world, leprosy was a widespread disease with really little to no chance of ever recovering, of ever being healed from it. And some scholars suggest that there were as many as 72 different types of skin afflictions that fell under this one heading or this one name, leprosy. And if you're interested, you could go to Leviticus chapter 13 and 14. Incredible amounts of detail and direction and specification for how to identify these skin diseases. And if someone does recover, if they are healed, what are the priests supposed to do for this person? There are an awful lot of directions and steps to take. But what, what I want you to hear right at the very beginning is that leprosy was far more devastating than the average illness or a fever. It was much more than that. In fact, to be diagnosed with leprosy was to receive a sentence. In fact, nothing short of a death sentence. Listen to what Leviticus chapter 13 says. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Now that is a devastating sentence. To have leprosy meant that you were cut off from your family, from your friends, from your community. You were even cut off from God. You could not go into His house and worship And you were cut off geographically. You were sent outside of the bounds of where you lived. You were literally homeless. You were not allowed to go home. And here we have this stunning sentence. And in fact, lepers in the Old Testament were referred to as the living dead. The only difference between you and a dead person is you just hadn't died yet. (laughs) It was a devastating sentence. And in this story, I want you to see the power of the kingdom in Jesus breaking through, restoring and cleansing this leper. And in fact, it's a powerful, perhaps one of the most powerful stories in the New Testament to illustrate the gospel What it means that God, through Jesus Christ, would reconcile you to himself. He would restore you to a right relationship to himself through Jesus. I think we're intended to see ourselves in this story. And it's a pretty devastating picture. 
But I don't think it's saying or going too far to say that unless you see yourself as this leper, you will never understand the touch of Jesus. So I want us to see three things from this. I want us to see Jesus' willingness to cleanse. I want us to see Jesus' charge to obey. And then last, Jesus' power to transform. Let's look at Jesus' willingness to cleanse in verses 40 to 42. This is a highly dramatic encounter. In verse 40, the leper comes to him. He's imploring him. He's begging him. He's on his knees before Jesus. And he says, if you will, you can make me clean. You see, the the leper has obviously heard of Jesus. We learn earlier in verse 28 of chapter 1 that Jesus' fame has spread throughout all of Galilee. And he's heard or maybe even seen from afar Jesus' power to heal all kinds of diseases. And you, you have to wonder, as news has come to this leper who is outside, who's not welcome in the towns, somehow news has got to him. We don't know how, but it's gotten to him. And he's heard about Jesus. And you have to wonder, here is this leper. He has to wonder, could Jesus possibly heal me? Could this man that everyone is talking about change my life? Could he restore me? And therefore, with that knowledge, the the leper risks everything. He risks both social customs, he breaks all kinds of religious laws to come from the outside into the town where Jesus is. And in doing so, he, he threatens everything about the situation. As a leper, he is not supposed to come in from the outside. He breaks every law and custom to do it on the hope that perhaps this Jesus can heal him. And let, notice the request. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Here's the big question for this leper is not does Jesus have the power, but is he willing to do it for him? Now perhaps you, you may be here and uh, Either you come here from a various journey path that you've taken in your life or you you are plagued with guilt and shame, embarrassment. And you have this question. Can Jesus really be true for me? Does he have the power to cleanse me? Does he even want to? Here we see Jesus, his willingness to cleanse. We see his willingness to cleanse this man, and it comes in the form of of compassion, not disdain. You see, according to religious teaching, even a chance encounter with a leper could make you unclean. The mere approach of this man to Jesus compromises Jesus' cleanliness. But before Jesus even says a word, notice what Mark tells us. Jesus was moved with pity and he stretched out his hand and he touches this man. Before he even says a word, 
I just want you to use your imagination for a moment. I, mean, I know it's hard to put ourselves in this, in this story. But just think. A leper shows up in a populated area to the most famous, powerful person alive at that time. And everyone wants a piece of this guy, Jesus. The only two people in this story that Mark tells us are Jesus and the leper. But everything in the context tells you there are probably hundreds if not thousands of people around watching this. And he shows up and the very first thing Jesus does, he doesn't say anything, he touches the man. And then he pronounces, I am willing, be clean. Now why does it matter that Jesus touched him first and then said something? Because probably no one has touched that man for a very long time, if ever. Jesus is not affected by this man's leprosy. Let me put it differently, actually, more accurately. He's moved by this man's leprosy. And he's not moved to run away. He's moved to physically touch this man. It shows that it heightens the depth of his compassion. Because it would have been totally acceptable and even over the top for Jesus to have said, wait, wait, don't, don't come any closer to me. Let me back over here. And yes, I'm willing to make you clean. Be clean. And he becomes clean. And then for Jesus to go and give him a hug. But he doesn't do that. Before Jesus makes the man clean, he reaches out and he touches him. And what does this tell us? No amount of uncleanness will prevent Jesus from touching you. When you come to Jesus, as this man did, there is nothing about you that will make Jesus run the other way. And Jesus' willingness to cleanse this man actually goes to the very heart of the Christian gospel. See, in Jesus, His compassion... He is showing you that He shares your experiences as if they were His very own. See, what what Jesus is doing here, and He's not only pronouncing that this man is clean and, and cleansing this man, He's telling us something about His mission in coming into this world, and it's this. He is saying to this man and to you and me, I am prepared to become by choice what you are by nature. I am prepared to become a leper by choice so that you can have my my life, that you can be restored, that you can be cleansed. Here we have what a in narrative form what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians when he says, For our sake God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, the result of Jesus' compassion is He made this man clean. The leprosy is gone. But it's it's hard to imagine, I think, a more vivid picture of grace and the, the profound effects it can have on our lives than this story. But it's interesting. No sooner has Jesus pronounced 
on this man, his willingness to be clean. And the leprosy is gone. Jesus gives him a charge and he charges him, he sends him away. So Jesus charged to obey in verses 43 and 45. He gives this man two directions. Look in verse 43. I want to look at uh, the first one. And then we'll, we'll finish, we'll do the second one in a moment. But Jesus says, Mark tells us that Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And he said, see that you say nothing to anyone. Now, I find this kind of, every time I read this story, I find this kind of baffling. Almost like, really? How can I not tell people I am cleansed from leprosy? In fact, if I just show up anywhere, I'm gonna, it's going to say that. How can I avoid telling people? Why, why does Jesus say, don't tell anybody? There is a whole lot of debate about this when Jesus makes these statements. But I think the, the, the simplest way to understand this is it was really easy to understand, misunderstand Jesus and what he had come to do. His miracles were a sign of the kingdom. They pointed beyond themselves. They were not just displays of, of naked power, spectacles to be gawked at, that to draw a crowd. They said something. And Jesus, again and again, is incredibly concerned that people understand who he is. And in this case, he is far more concerned that this man follow his word, obey his word, then go spread the news about what he had done. And this is an interesting and I think somewhat gut-wrenching situation because the man completely disobeys Jesus, completely, and instead goes out and begins to spread the news about what happened in verse 45. He went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. Now, you might think, what's the matter with that? This is, sounds like things Christians talk about all the time. You're supposed to go and tell people about what Jesus did. But listen, this is, this is really important. Jesus just radically changed this man's life. Fundamentally and forever. And then he gives him a command and the man doesn't follow it. It's sadly that the leper illustrates a person who asks Jesus to do something but then will not submit to him. He's an illustration of people like you and me who go to Jesus in moments of despair and desperation and hopelessness And he is gracious and he is merciful. And then we forget about it. And we go and we don't listen to him. It's a tragic display of someone who experiences grace and then does not honor Jesus by following what he says. And in fact, it's an example of how we want the power of the kingdom but don't want the king. And it's striking that in this instance, here he is, he's going around and he's saying what has happened. But 
this is particularly hard to hear, I think, that even in trying to serve God, you can ignore God. And maybe even especially in religious activity, we are prone to ignore God rather than to listen to Jesus and follow Him. And why is that? Because when you're doing religious things, it's, it's easier to feel better about yourself when you know you're, you're not listening to Him. You see, the failure of this man illustrates a basic lesson of discipleship, of what it means to follow Jesus. And one writer puts it like this, this basic principle that the Lord's work should be done only in the Lord's way according to the Lord's word. And and here you have to ask yourself, as as you hear about the gospel, as you uh, try to embrace it and work it into your life, how do you know that you are actually following Jesus and you're not ignoring him? The most straightforward way to know that grace and forgiveness is seeping its way into your heart and your life is that you are growing to love doing what Jesus says. That you find yourself wanting to obey him. Not all the time for sure, but at least in increasing measure, you find yourself wanting to delight him. You know, it's not a whole lot different than, than you know, when, when you fall in love with someone. When you fall in love with someone, you want to find out everything you can about that person to please them, to do what they love, to do things even maybe you don't like doing, but you're willing to do it because they love it. You see, when grace breaks into your life, when Jesus touches your life and changes everything about it, The only way to to respond to such great kindness and generosity is to follow after him, to trust him, to listen to him. And how can you test how can you test yourself? Pretty basic. Are you a good listener? Or come at it another way. Another way to test yourself is do you talk to him? Do you pray? Do you put yourself in the way of His Word as you pray and ask Him to help you to listen to Him? See, despite this man's failure to obey Jesus, to say nothing, and in Jesus' command to go to the priest, to see the priest, we see something about Jesus' power to transform us. In verse 44, Jesus, after saying, don't tell anybody, He then says, Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. See, Jesus commands this man to obey God's law as it's really spelled out in Leviticus chapter 14. But I want you to notice a couple things here. Notice that the man's ability to keep God's law had nothing to do with him. When Jesus says, go to the priest and show yourself, his ability to go back and see that priest and to be recognized as clean had nothing to do with him. And it's a fundamentally important point that Jesus is trying to make for us, that it all depends on Jesus and Jesus' power at work in your life to obey God. 
It's not that we sit back and let go and let God. But it's a Jesus power at work in your life from which we draw the ability and the motivation and the desire, however weakly and failingly, to obey God. But notice also that here the law only condemns. And it was powerless to change him. Had this man gone back to the priests without Jesus working his life, it only would have condemned him and it would have said, there is no hope for you. The law of God condemns and is powerless to change you. And therefore we learn two things from Jesus in this command that he gives. First of all, he is very concerned that this man follow God's law. He says, go back to the priest. Do what the Bible says. You have been cleansed from your sin. But also I want you to notice, secondly, that he goes back not in his own strength. That in and of yourself, you are utterly incapable of doing what God requires of you. And it's only when Jesus touches your life like we see here that grace begins to take over and you find yourself longing to obey God and in fact even from time to time and hopefully more and more wanting to and here is what we read in Romans chapter 8 listen to how Paul talks about what's happening to this this man at, at the grace of Jesus in this story he says for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. See, the leper undergoes a fundamental change to the law of God, as does every follower of Jesus. The condemning power of the law is poured out on Jesus So that we might live for God according to his word without fear, without fear of condemnation, but instead with hope. Now how can that be true for us? And the answer to that is because Jesus trades places with you. Remember where where we are. Jesus, he's in the towns, he's all over Galilee, he's preaching, he's healing, he's casting out demons. But I want you to notice, where does the story end? In our passage, after the man who is cleansed from leprosy, he goes out and he spreads the news. Notice what happens. And in doing so, Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. This is where the story ends. Jesus was in all of the towns, going through all of the cities, the villages, proclaiming the good news. At the end of this story, It's reversed. At the beginning, the leper is outside the towns, unwelcome. Jesus is where all the people are. And at the end, they've traded places. The leper is now welcome in the town, in the cities, in the villages, even into the house of God. And Jesus is out in desolate places. The reason that you know 
that these, this grace, this power that Jesus displays here can be true of you is because He trades places with you. You see, this is another clue of where the story is headed. That as we continue to work through Mark's gospel, it will end with Jesus alone, forsaken, outside the city, crucified on a cross for sinners. You see, the reason that you can read this story and and try to internalize what does this mean about me and my relationship with God, that it's so bad that Jesus uses this story of a leper to try to get the point across. What that means is Jesus so willingly wants to have compassion on you that you don't have to be afraid of who you really are. However ashamed or forsaken or isolated you may feel, Jesus touches people just like that. See, in this story, Jesus shows us His compassion, His willingness to identify Himself with you, to even trade places with you. And you see, when you become a Christian, because of Jesus... God sees you as He sees Jesus. He sees you as a beloved and righteous son or daughter. And I want to leave you with this this quote from a very old Anglican minister. Uh, Listen, and then we'll, we'll close. Such are we in the sight of God, the Father, as is the very Son of God Himself, Let it be counted as folly or frenzy or fury whatsoever. This is our comfort. This is our wisdom. We care for no knowledge in the world but this, that we have sinned and God has suffered. That God has made himself the sin of man and that men were made the righteousness of God. What wonder, what mystery in this appointment shine. My breaches of the law are his and His obedience, mine. Let's pray. Father, we we thank You for this passage. We pray that as we ponder it and meditate on it, that You would work by Your Spirit to help us to see the riches of Your grace in Jesus, His compassion, His power, and at the same time to see in Him the one and the only one whom we should follow, that we should listen to. Father, we ask that the goodness of this grace would change us from the inside out. And that where we find ourselves tonight, whether uh, isolated and alone, or or ashamed, or feeling cut off, or like, could it be true that you would even want to deal with us at all? I ask that this passage you would use to persuade us and to show us your love for sinners. So much so that you would trade places with us, even at the cost of your own life, so that we might live through faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.